Welcome back to Coffee Books. Today we are continuing on in the middle of page 78 in the book The Curious Barista's Guide to Coffee, written by Tristan Stevenson. Let's continue. Brewing Control Chart The chart opposite depicts the sweet spot between coffee strength and coffee extraction for non-espresso brewing methods. The vertical axis shows the strength, or TDS, total dissolved solids, of the drink, expressed as the percentage that is actual coffee. The horizontal axis shows the extraction, or yield, expressed as a percentage of the original dry coffee dose that has been removed by brewing water and landed in the cup. Further down the chart, the strength of the drink decreases and at the top it is higher. For some, it may be a drink that sits closer to one of these areas that is the better one, as strength is, to some extent, a matter of individual personal taste. The brew ratio directly impacts beverage strength. Perfection is the gray box in the center, where the strength of the drink and the extraction percentage balance correctly. 18 to 22% extraction and 1.1 to 1.3% strength, and coffee is sweeter, richer, and more transparent. The diagonal gray line represents the rate of extraction and illustrates the ease in which a brew can turn out weak and underdeveloped or strong and bitter. Measuring Extraction Extraction is best communicated as a yield percentage. What this means is the percentage of coffee by weight that has made its way into the brewed cup from its original dry state. It tells us how efficient the extraction process was and gives us an idea of how balanced the cup might be. The rules of extraction apply to all brewing methods and, interestingly, even though an espresso is much stronger than a filter coffee, both brewing methods should achieve about the same yield percentage. An espresso just has less water in it. For some 50 years now, studies have been carried out to discover what percentage of the coffee used to brew with is desirable in the finished cup. Approximately one-third of the dry weight of coffee is water-soluble, i.e. it can be extracted. However, not all solubles are desirable, and it's generally agreed upon by coffee professionals that an acceptable level of extraction yield sits somewhere between 18 and 22%, which equates to just over half of all the solubles that are up for grabs. The extremities of this boundary define when a coffee starts to become under-extracted or over-extracted. In under-extraction below 18%, the coffee is typically sour, thin, weak, and flat. In over-extraction above 22%, the coffee becomes bitter, ashy, and astringent. I might add that this narrow margin for error was not simply dreamed up, but is based on the sensory analysis of hundreds of brewed coffee samples compared by coffee research panels. The rules can be bent though, as often it will be the specific coffee and its style of roast that will dictate the best yield in the cup. For example, some coffees can excel around 16%, which brings out bright, clean, fruity characteristics that would otherwise be expressed as jammy, sweet shop notes if brewed around the 20% mark. In the past, it has been suggested that coffee peaks at two distinct yields, first around 16%, then later around the broader 20% mark, and that 17 to 18% should be avoided. It's not understood why tastiness drops off between the two peaks, but I compare it to the Manhattan cocktail, 
which is delicious both dry and sweet, but tastes bland anywhere in between. Sometimes we just like things one way or the other. You can work the yield percentage out at home by weighing your coffee before brewing, which should be standard operating procedure anyway, then drying the spent coffee after brewing in a low temperature oven and weighing it again. Calculate the difference between the two samples, then divide it by the weight of the original coffee dose and you will have your percentage expressed as a decimal. Of course, it'll take a few hours and it's not a particularly accurate way of doing things, so if you have a bit of money to spend, invest in a coffee refractometer. The one manufactured by VST Labs is a good option. A refractometer takes a digital reading of the brewed coffee by bouncing light through a 2 milliliter 1 16th fluid ounce sample of cooled coffee. It's then able to determine the total dissolved solids in the cup, and using a conversion chart, determine the soluble's yield from the coffee. Clever and useful stuff, but it'll cost you about 500 pounds or 782 dollars for the privilege. Brew Ratio The other important factor to monitor during brewing is brew ratio. This number indicates the likely strength of the final cup by expressing the weight of the coffee compared to the weight of the drink. The brew ratio of an espresso usually sits at around 1.5 to 1, meaning that the drink is 1.5 times the weight of the coffee used to make it. This could be a 20 gram, 3 and quarter ounce dose of coffee that is used to make a 30 gram, 1 ounce espresso. A typical French press brew is more likely to be 15 to 1, where 20 gram, 3 quarter ounce coffee is used to make a 300 milliliter, 10 fluid ounce beverage. Remember that these calculations must be made using the beverage weight not the weight of brew water used. On account of the coffee holding back some of the water through absorption, approximately 2 grams 1 16th ounce per 1 gram 1 32nd ounce coffee. You might be wondering where taste comes into all of this. It's easy to let graphs and formulas get in the way of the good old human tongue and nose, which constitute not only a far more sensitive system than any digital refractometer but are also the ultimate deciding factor in whether a cup is deemed good or not. Let your mouth tell you what tastes good, and when it does, record everything you can that got you there. Much of this seems like measuring art by using science, but mastering the variables at the highest level only becomes a realistic proposition when these things are approached with respect for both the art and the science involved. Cupping coffee. Coffee cupping is a tasting practice that is used to systematically evaluate a selection of coffee samples. It is customary for cupping to take place on a long table, decked out with six to eight cupping bowls, in which various coffee grounds and water will be smelled and tasted in a quiet, ritualistic fashion. Cupping is a very useful tool for rapidly comparing coffees from different farms, varieties, processing methods, and for comparing different roast profiles on the same coffee and is an invaluable practice for coffee roasters. Even though every cupping table has its own method of doing things, it has become more or less standardized across the industry, 
with the layout of the table and etiquette engineered to remove as many variables from the coffee brewing and tasting process as possible, so that each bowl of coffee is sampled in the same way. The only equipment needed to conduct coffee cupping is hot water, a grinder, cupping bowls, or just a wide-rimmed cup, but bear in mind its size as you'll need to plan to use 1 gram 132 ounce of coffee for every 17 milliliters 3 5 fluid ounce of capacity, and a cupping spoon, or any large round spoon. Each cup has the appropriate dose of coarse filter ground coffee added to it, and guests are invited to smell the dry coffee. Next, the water is poured on. I prefer not to use scales for this part, as it is a bit fiddly and you need to get the water on top of the samples as quickly as possible. Fill to the top of each cup, start a timer, then take in a good breath through your nose. After taking time to nose all of the samples, it is time for the break. This is usually done around four minutes after the initial pour, mirroring the parameters of a French press brew. Cuppers use the bowl of their spoon to fracture the floating raft of coffee crust that gathers on the surface, releasing aroma from the water below. More smelling ensues, followed by a period of reflection and note-taking, which is then followed by the scooping of the grounds, foam, and other crud from the surface of the cup. Then, after nearly 10 minutes, the coffee is tasted, an event marked by a cacophony of loud and awkward slurping noises. The purpose of slurping is to introduce as much air into your mouth as possible, which helps promote proper aroma dispersion. In this practice, cuppers dip their spoons into the cup and scoop up a small sample of the coffee, then move it to their lips and loudly inhale. Tasting typically goes on for another 10 minutes, allowing cuppers to sample the coffee at a range of temperatures. Tasting cold coffee can also uncover defects in both the bean and the roast that may not have been apparent when the coffee was hot. That takes us to the end of chapter four and the end of page 81. We'll continue on next morning at the top of chapter five, grinding coffee. Thank you for listening. Have good coffee and a good day.